Well, good morning. I invite you to take God's word and open it to Proverbs chapter 5 this morning. Proverbs chapter 5 is our text, verse 1 to 23 of Proverbs chapter 5. I'd like to ask that if you are able, that you would stand out of reverence for the word of God as it is read today. Let's hear together the words of Christ, our Lord and our Savior, as he speaks to us, holy inspired word of God, Proverbs chapter 5. My son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, and her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely doe, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord And he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, inerrant word. Lord, would you teach us your wisdom this day? Help us to think properly of you. Help us to live in obedience to the glory of Christ. We do pray that you would show us Christ from your word. We pray that you would bring salvation to our ears. It's in Jesus' name we humbly ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Today, as you see, we're continuing our study through the book of 
Proverbs, and Proverbs is one of the five Old Testament books that we entitle wisdom literature. You have Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And as you can tell by the reading of this chapter, God's word doesn't shy away from speaking about various topics, whether death, sovereignty, or sex. And today we jump right into the deep end as Solomon talks about adultery and sexual immorality. Chapter 5, we see this. Chapter 6, verse 20 through verse 35. And chapter 7, all the way through, are extended sections on teaching of adultery and sexual immorality in particular. Proverbs has a lot to say on this subject. God's word doesn't shy away from it. And so we shouldn't also... The context of this chapter is that of a father, as you see, giving instruction to a son. You see that in verse number one of chapter five. And that is the context really of these first number of chapters, or one through nine. If you glance back quickly, you'll see at chapter one, verse number eight, it says there, hear my son, your father's wisdom. We look on in chapter two, we see that my son in chapter three and following. We see these examples of my son, my son, my son. So these are words of wisdom in the context of Solomon speaking them to his son. But the wisdom that Solomon gives in these chapters is not just for sons. This is the inspired word of God. It is for all of us. It's for daughters also, for wives, as well as husbands. It's for young, it's for old, it's for those married, it's for those not married. This chapter speaks to each of us in all of our situation. And it speaks to us about how we are to think, how we are to act in relation to sex and sexual immorality. It speaks about sex in the proper context. As we're going to see, it gives us warning, warning us about improper and sexual immorality. It's calling on us to live in obedience, to think in obedience to God, and for that to express itself in the way that we live in our daily lives. We could summarize the main point of this chapter like this. Run from sexual folly, delight in sexual wisdom, and realize Christ is better than the best sex. Hey, I know I'm out there, but we're out there in the beginning. Run from sexual folly, delight in sexual wisdom, and realize Christ is better than the best sex. Just like all of the Bible, these words are the very words of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, speaking to us. This is his wisdom, his instruction, instruction to us of how we're to understand and how we're to think about this topic. Adam mentioned a few weeks ago about our general tenor and our approach to the book of Proverbs. We don't come to the book of Proverbs as seeking to say, let me live in obedience to these words of wisdom and this uh, wise counsel that I find here so that I can be a child of God. 
Let me, let me do this so that God will bless me and bring me into his kingdom. No, no, no. We come to this book as sinners saved by Jesus Christ, hearing the instructions of our Father who saved us of how we're to think and how we are to live. And so that should be our approach. With that in mind, we could summarize the teachings of this chapter into four main points, four main pleas that go out to us. The first plea is this, listen to biblical wisdom, verses one to six. Listen to biblical wisdom. Once again, we see Solomon using this phrase here, be attentive, incline your ear. There's urgency in his words as he is speaking to his son. We hear the need for us to learn, the need for us to receive instruction that continues throughout this book. And so I pray this morning our ears would be pricked that we would say, let me listen to what Christ is teaching me on this subject. Let me be teachable. Let me be moldable to come and receive the instructions of the very words of the God who created me. That should be our tenor in this chapter and all of God's word. So let's listen and jump in here. We see Solomon uh, jumps right into the context here of a warning about adultery and sexual immorality. We see that first off in verse 3 down to verse number 6 where he gives this warning. And he speaks about a forbidden woman. A forbidden woman that he speaks of is, the, is an adulteress woman. The NIV, your translations have there, an adulteress woman. Literally, it is a strange woman, meaning a woman who is not your spouse, a woman that is outside of the covenant marriage, that commitment that you have made. And so in verse number 20, the parallel, just glance your eyes down at verse number 20, the parallel there to forbidden woman is a foreign woman, not meaning foreign nationality, but foreign to the marriage covenant is what he's speaking about, i.e. again, an adulteress, someone who is not your spouse. So that's the context. The context is very clear. Solomon is wanting his son to learn and consider what happens to those who commit sexual immorality, those who commit adultery. And he explains this early to his son. It's sort of like the videos or the pictures as uh, those of you that have had to go on to driver's ed class You go to driver's ed class as you're getting your uh, driver's license and they show you, I'm told, and vaguely my memory's foggy of that long ago, but you see pictures or a video of what can happen to somebody that was texting and driving, you know, and they show you a picture, here's a mangled car, and I remember seeing uh, uh, drunk drivers and they would have cars that they would bring to the school for you to see, here's what happens to people who drink and drive, here's what happens to people who text and drive or distracted in their driving. And what they're trying to do is to say, look, here's what happens when you do that. It will end in this. And Solomon is doing the same thing in these passages. He's saying, look, here's where sexual immorality will lead you. Consider it, think about it. Here's where it ends. And it's a father speaking to his son here, pleading to him. And as God's word goes forth to all of us, pleading to us saying, just pause for a moment and consider, consider what happens when you go down this path. This is where it leads. 
And so Solomon is teaching here of what can happen in these circumstances, what does happen. And he first warns here about this adulterous lady and he speaks here about her speech, the improper speech and communication that first begin to happen. And he's speaking about this adulterous relationship. So again, as we kind of go through this, I'm going to use the, uh, uh, the language that is used here of speaking of a, a her as this is giving. But again, this applies if you're a female, just flip all of these things, speaking about a him. Uh, all of us know uh, uh, Men are worse at this than women, anywho. So flip this around, but just consider, put yourself in the proper place as we're reading through this. So he says to her, her lips drip honey. Her speech is smooth. What he's saying here is this is a flattery that comes about. It's an enticing, a communication that begins to turn towards the improper, whether it's a first-time communication or maybe with someone that begins to cross a line. Compliments are exchanged and the heart begins to wonder and the thoughts begin to wonder, wow, this is a nice person, this is a nice lady, what a kind thing they say about me. They think I'm the greatest, this is wonderful, it's so sweet, it's like honey. Solomon says, listen, when you are enticed in this way, realize this. In the end, it will be bitter. It's going to be like wormwood. It's a tree that has a very, very bitter flavor, could even be poisonous of too much of this. And says her lips and her tongue are like a sharp two-edged sword. Destructive, dangerous. And he's warning here, saying this is the way of sexual immorality. Verse number five, it leads to death. The path of life on this sort of enticing is not pondered. It's not thought about. It's not cared about, thinking about life, thinking about the proper way to live. It's just concerned in the moment. It's just living for pleasure. And Solomon is warning us and calling us to listen to biblical wisdom. And adultery might look good on the front end. It seems enticing. Scripture tells us stolen water is sweet, but he's saying, look and listen. In the end, it will kill you. It is bitter. That path of sexual immorality, of adultery, leads to death. And so he's pleading here, opening up with a plea Listen to what the Bible says. Listen to what I'm telling you, inspired of God, the words of God, in this area of sexual immorality. In other words, care about what God says. That's our hope this morning. That's my hope that you would come to this text as always Sunday. I care about what God says. And in this area of sexual immorality, in this world that we live in, and all that we see in front of us, am I going to care? Am I going to be salt? And I, am I going to be light in this realm of sexual immorality? And so it's a call out, a call, a plea to listen to biblical wisdom. And secondly, we see these points in verse 7 to 14, a command and a plea to stay away from sexual sin. Stay away from sexual sin. Look at verse 7 and 8. And now, O sons... Listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Some very practical warnings that he gives to us here and pleads with us. He's saying, listen, son, keep away from her. 
Keep away from this sin. Keep away from adultery. Do not even go near the door of her house. Physically stay away. Solomon continues on if we were to continue reading and in chapter 7. He goes there and beginning in verse 6 and following, he gives this scene of, he says there, at the window of my house, I've looked out through the lattice and I've seen among the simple, that is uh, the foolish here, I've seen among them and perceived among the youth a man lacking sense. Well, what did this man do? He, He just passed by the corner of her house at night. He just getting close to the flame and this man is a fool. Then you see in verse 10 and following, the woman comes out and meets him dressed inappropriately, dressed provocatively, calling attention to her physical characteristics and, and drawing the eye unto herself calling him unto him and saying all of these words of of just honey dripping off of her mouth as she speaks to this simple man who probably thinks he's Don Juan walking down the street, just having all of these nice things said of him. What he doesn't know in the text says is it's a bull led to the slaughter. And he's warning, he's warning, stay away. Stay away from sexual immorality. Stay away from her. Stay away from that. And as we think about that today, yes, that could be a a, a literal application of stay away physically from the house where that would lead you to adultery. Yes, stay, stay away from that. Stay physically away from that. But we have so many ways today that the house of adultery and sexual immorality is right with us. I just took it out of my pocket. It was right here. I walked in with it. It's my cell phone. It's just the house of sexual immorality is right there in my pocket. I carry it around with me. Many of you probably do too. These sorts of things are only a few clicks away from from the computer, from our phone. Just consider for a moment the world and, and kind of step back and look at the world and just consider how many people have brought a train wreck upon themselves through the internet leading to sexual immorality. Whether that's uh, bringing up to hook up with someone, whether that's pornography that is viewed on these devices, of going into the house of the adulteress in this way. Listen, these temptations, I don't have to belabor this to you, are everywhere. And so the application is to stay away. That might look different for you than to me of what that looks like to stay away from this. But listen, you know your heart, I know my heart. Stay away from those temptations that lead you down the wrong path. Stay away. It's better to cut off your arm. It's better to pluck out your eyeball than to receive that and end up in death. So God's word gives us this warning We see it all around us today. Companies use sex to sell everything, almost everything. You can hardly watch a commercial without some sort of innuendo or overtone of sexual immorality. It's used to sell everything from spark plugs to hamburgers. 
It's all over the things that we use. You look at social media, you look at Snapchat, you look at Instagram, other things. It's just right there and it'll pop up asking you to click on it. And the call for us today is stay away, to not flirt with sexual immorality. This applies again to all of us. It applies to all of us. If you're single, these words apply to you. They apply to the married, they apply to the single. And it calls upon you to keep yourself pure. This is the word of a father to a son. This is the word of a parent to their child. Keep away, keep yourself pure. And I just beg you, those of you that are single, do not listen to the world on this subject. It says that if you want to be uh, someone, you want somebody to be attracted to you, you have to dress provocatively. You have to act this way. You need, to, you need to fool around so that other people will stay around with you. Because may, maybe they might not stay around with you if you, if you just don't give in and fool around with it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not going all of this far and you're just cozying up to what can lead down the point of death of sexual immorality. Reject that teaching. Reject that teaching. Listen to what the Bible teaches us. Those who are married, keep away from adultery in your marriages. Don't go near it. Don't cultivate relationships that start to go the path of inappropriate. Don't let the communication cross that line. When you sense your heart beginning to wander, to long for and to think about someone other than your spouse, realize and be warned from scripture that that will ultimately lead to the path of disruption. Keep far away from it. These types of sins start in the heart. They start with discontentment of not rejoicing in what God has graciously given to you. Just think about the Ten Commandments for just a moment and think about the Tenth Commandment. That this is such a thing that when God gives the Ten Commandments, he mentions this. Don't covet. We are taught your neighbor's house. And then the next thing mentioned is your neighbor's wife. And then all of his stuff. Just a loose translation there of all his stuff. Right? And the Bible says don't covet. Don't covet your neighbor's Spouse, And so we can see that th this is just common to us. Basically, at the root of it, it's a heart of discontentment, of not being content with where you are. And so the world today will call us, well, you need to be happy in what you think is best and need to be happy. Pursue that. And if, and if you're not content with your spouse, guess what? Who's, who's been married for 10 years that has never been discontent with your spouse? That's right. Even if I had you close your eyes and bow your head, nobody would be raising their hands. You, we all face this, right? And that discontentment comes in. Say, oh, what about this person? What about that person? Oh, yeah, I remember. You remember I used, used to know this person. I wonder how they are. Their marriage, hmm. And our minds, people's minds begin to wander. Minds begin to grow from dis contentment but listen Solomon is telling us here that is an illusion 
Keep away from sexual immorality. Do not let your heart begin to wonder. Don't flirt with fire. Adam and I are in a chat group with some brothers in Brazil, uh, Diego and others. Each week, we're always uh, chatting back and forth. And Diego, this uh, last week, he posted a, a video of a dog. Um, and this dog had some unwise habits. I'm pretty sure I didn't follow up completely on this. But uh, this dog liked to bark at and chase caiman, which are like crocodiles. And I'm assuming this is on the Amazon. It, it looked like it. You had this dog who had a habit. It was a family dog, I take it, because there were family around. And there were some snippets of this little dog. I mean, a little, you know, Jack Russell-esque type of dog running after these caiman that are like seven feet, six feet, eight feet big, whose heads are as big as the dog. And he's barking at them, and it's all funny, right? He's barking at it, and you're like, man. And the caiman runs into the water. And then it goes to another clip, and it shows a caiman running in the water and he runs up and he's barking at this other one and he runs in the water and then he comes up to another one it's the last one and he runs up to this came and he starts barking it moves and it turns around and goes bang silence from the dog grabs it in its mouth swims away in the water and you hear the family ah, start to like like you didn't know that was going to happen one day Right, your little dog. What, what's wrong with you? Why would you let your dog bark at Cayman? Don't you see where that's going to lead to with your little dog? I mean, if he does it once and lives, ah, that's one life. I don't know how many dogs have, but that's a life, right? Teach that. How often do we do the same sorts of stupid, stupid things, thinking that we can go bark at something that will kill us to get close to have that intoxication as we're going to see in these verses that arises. Flirting around with this sort of stuff makes you feel alive. Makes you feel young again. Which the Proverbs says young is pretty much equated with being simple and foolish. So yeah, it should make you feel foolish when that happens. You should see where that leads and where that goes to don't flirt and walk near the house stay away he is saying and then these verses verse 9 to 14 as he continues these verses it says lest lest you give your honor to others your years to the mer- less strangers you see that here in these verses he goes on he says this is what will happen this is where that leads to death and bad things Causes the loss of honor, loss of your strength, loss of your money, loss of your possessions. In the end, adultery is going to lead you with regret. Dwayne Garrett summarizes these verses by saying, quote, The passage uses general language to make the point that adultery leads to personal degeneration and financial depletion. The man who indulges himself will pay the price a hundred times over. And the word of warning is, don't think you are the exception. Don't think, well, I can do this and get away with that. Won't happen to me. Don't listen to the Las Vegas commercials. Vegas, you know what their little jingle is. 
What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Really? Let's ask Tiger Woods about that and see how that ended up. Think about that in your own life. That call of anonymity, that call of, oh, nobody will find out about this. Solomon says, be warned. It's a plea for us to stay away. Don't play with fire. Don't be like that dog. Don't be like this fool who goes down the path of ruin. Stay away. That's where it leads. Well, there's a proper place for sex to be enjoyed and delighted in. And we see that contrast in verse 15 to 19, which the third plea to us here is delight in your spouse. Verse 15 to 19, delight in your spouse. The Bible likewise teaches about the proper place for sexual expression. Let's be reminded, God created sex. Okay, so God God created it, it, and it is good, it is a gift from God and God knows what is best. And so Solomon uses poetic imagery here to describe marital love. I'm gonna take it easy on thinking about this lest I not be asked to preach again. But just saying from these here, look it up, all right? So first he comes in verse 17, he says, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your spring be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Your own cistern, your own well is referring to the wife. Drink is the command to have sex within the bonds of covenant marriage. Verse 16 warns about letting your springs and water be poured out into the streets. Verses being for you, for you, for you alone, for this relationship between your spouse It's referring to a husband's sexual affections here. Let those affections, don't let them spill out into the street. Reserve those, reserve those for one person, which is your spouse. Whether that's future for those not married, whether that's present for those of you that are married. Why would they be given to another woman, he's asking. Verse 18 to 19, continue. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Do you see the call there to rejoice? Rejoice. It's a call to be thankful. Rejoice, he says here. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Be thankful. Remember. Remember that. It's, it seems like these verses are pointing to a couple that has been married for a period of time. And it's, it's a call to remember the earlier times in your marriage. Usually, when you first get married, you're happy. Right? You don't, I don't know, Adam, how many times you've seen couples that don't like each other come for marriage counseling. Right? You, usually there, there's, there's a happiness. You overlook just about everything in those time periods. I remember a, 
I remember real quick. I, I remember in, in youth group going up, talking to a lady in the church about uh, marriage. And, and she, was, she asked me, well, are you prepared to live with somebody who, if you're a roll-up person on your tooth, toothpaste that rolls it up, what, what if this other person is one that just lets that not roll up and they squeeze at the front and all the toothpaste goes to the back and they live like that? And I just remember thinking, what are you talking about, lady? I have, who gives a rip about toothpaste, right? And then you find that's not a temptation for me to complain over necessarily toothpaste. But right, then we have those things later on in life that, that uh, okay, we have one person there with that. And that's not something there later on in life then you find yourself arguing over. And I think that's just the spirit of these verses as he's saying here, look, be thankful. Remember, be thankful for your spouse, your relationship. Yes, we change over the years. Marriages and people, you change over the years, but what shouldn't change is your thankfulness to God for your spouse. Wives, I know it might not seem the best to be called a dear, some of y'all might have deers hanging up on the wall at home. But in the time period, just let me assure you, it was a wonderful thing. Beautiful black eyes, beautiful hair, doe. Just trust me, that's a lot better. You could translate that mountain goat. I would go with go, doe over mountain goat. Some here in the kingdom of God. We don't seem to see this too much today, that, but they might teach that sex is only for procreation in marriage. Maybe you've heard this before. Not just for physical pleasure, but I think verse 19 would contradict this. It says, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. That would contradict a strict sex only for procreation teaching. And I say that just to say that, look, Sex is a gift from God to be enjoyed. It's not ultimate. It's not. It's not ultimate. It's not most important. Some of you young guys need to listen to that. It's not ultimate. It's not important. Knowing Jesus and living in obedience to him is better. It's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. We know that God's gifts aren't given to everyone equally. It's a gift of God. Text even says to be intoxicated. Be intoxicated always with what? In her love, your love for her. This type of intoxication is a good one. It's a good intoxication. It's right and it's holy. That feeling of pleasure of being in love with your spouse is rightly described as intoxication. These emotions are good. Good within the bounds of a marriage relationship. And Solomon is saying here, look, delight in one another. Be intoxicated always in your love for your spouse, for her. For her, there's a proper place for that desire and it is with your spouse the last plea in the text is for us to make the right decision, verse 20 to 23. Make the right decision. Kind of begins to curve this off to bring it home, to conclude it in verse number 20 with a question. Why should you 
And he picks up on the intoxication. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Why be intoxicated with that? Listen, son, here's where that intoxication leads. And it's not good. And it's not good to take God's good use of sex and use it improperly outside a covenant marriage relationship. Solomon is asking why, why? Don't, in other words, don't do that. It's not the right biblical way. It's not the right path. And so I pray all of us, in particular our young, young of age this morning, that you would just hear that. God's plan and God's desire for your sex life is for that to only happen in covenant relationship with a spouse. That's God's design for those desires that you have that are not in and of themselves wrong. It's for expression in a marriage covenant relationship. Right? And again, this is a gift. It's not ultimate. It does not mean that if you are single for all of your life that somehow you've just missed out on life doesn't mean that any more than not having kids means that you've missed out on life. If you don't have Jesus, you've missed out on life. If you have Jesus, you've got everything. All these other things are gifts, so we keep it in the proper perspective, and the call is make the right decision. Verse 21 is sobering. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. He is held fat, or excuse me, and he ponders all his paths. That's the Lord. The Lord ponders your paths. The Lord sees. The Lord knows. The fact is just that. God sees. God knows. Sexual sin promises secrecy, privacy. It calls out to you and says, no one will find out. Bible doesn't say that. Bible doesn't say that. It says otherwise. God sees, God knows, and we know that. God ponders all his paths, God knows. This verse is in contrast with the adulteress in verse number six of chapter five. She does not ponder the path of life. She's not concerned about it. But God is. Verse 22, these sins ensnare him. He's held fast, he's trapped. Verse 23, he dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly, he is led astray. The pleasure of adultery is short-lived. Sexual sin outside of marriage will destroy. Will destroy, it leads to death. Listen, be warned. Be warned of this path. Be warned, but also listen. Listen. There is a one who came and lived on this earth who never once lusted after anybody else. Never did the sinless one, Jesus Christ, commit lust in his heart. And Jesus has come to die on the cross for adulterers like you and adulterers like me. Listen to me. There is forgiveness of sins for the adulterer. There is a cleansing. There is a healing from the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is not an adulterer, one whom Christ is not able to forgive. 
There is room at the cross for adulterers like us. And for those who are trusting in Christ, who are following after him, who've committed sexual immorality, there is healing at the cross of Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness in the blood of Christ. There is true healing, true forgiveness. It's for the confessor, the one who confesses his sin and turns away from this path that leads to destruction. There is forgiveness of sin. Please hear me. Adultery is not the unpardonable sin Walking down a road, not listening to the word of God and the conviction of God, that is the path that leads to destruction. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is healing, there is reconciliation. And so as we hear these words of warning, as he's giving these words of warning to his son, we also hear the word of the cross in this. That Jesus Christ is the one who died for our sins. The Bible is also clear. Those who reject the wisdom of Christ and seek to live a life of adultery are on this path to destruction and on the way to hell. That's why if... In my life, if I commit adultery, sexual immorality, I know I'm going to have some guys coming up to me and saying, you're on the path to hell. I know I got those friends here who will speak that truth into my life. You just live in your sin. If that's where you're going, this is where you're going to end up. But I'm a preacher known a lot of preachers. I got a mirror, right? That's right. It's a call. It's a call to come to Christ, to confess. First Corinthians says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. There is a cleansing at the cross. There is a washing at the cross that can wash all your sins away. There's a sanctifying at the cross of Jesus Christ, a being declared righteous through the substitutionary death of the perfect one for us. Will you heed the wisdom of Christ today? Will you listen to Lady Wisdom as she calls aloud to you from Proverbs? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge.
fools despise wisdom and instruction. May each of us be attentive to the word of Christ and incline our ear to what he teaches. Father, we thank you for your word this day and how your word speaks to every aspect of our life. Father, I pray that those who are not trusting in you would be convicted of their sin and realize that they have committed adultery with you in their hearts and that with their sin they're liable to eternal judgment. I pray, Father, that you would show them Christ, crucified, died on the cross for our sins. Father, would you forgive us where we have gone astray Father, would you cleanse us and heal us and change us according to your spirit and according to your word. It's in the name of Christ we humbly pray and ask these things. Amen.